0: And Rene's probably sitting there thinking, Neil, you forgot to say it. Um, and maybe it's actually not a bad thing that I'm saying this when the kids aren't here, so there's no nag factor, all right, but but hopefully the kids would, you might enjoy that. But Renee and Dingo, Renee's over there in the front, give us a wave and uh, have offered, just as a bit of a low key thing, but have offered for all of our refreshed people uh, to throw a rope over some rocks at Kangaroo Point and do some rock climbing, abseiling on the 13th of... February, so in a couple of weeks' time. So we will get some more information out for you but I just wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up. So in a couple of weeks' time, um, Renee and Dingo are going to set some stuff up and bring some other people, part of their business stuff. They said they're happy to, to, to do that sort of thing on a Saturday night, just on dark, there's some barbecue stuff there. Anyway, we'll get some more info to you but sort of just claim the date thing, which is not far away date. All right, thank you Simo, Sarah and Caitlin and... Drums and guitars and everyone else who was up there. Tristan, Nath, were you up there, Nath? No, Um, Ben. um, Something about, something about those songs. It's powerful. Something about this topic of grace. I don't know. It's what we come here for. It's it's why we do church. It's I don't know. I'm just sitting there this morning. Just I don't know. There's something. It's powerful. So I just wanted to say thank you very much for that, uh, for your music and for bringing us to a place where. we're worshipping God. Okay, this morning uh, I want to talk about, a little bit about athletics to start with. Uh, And if I cast my mind back to primary school and I'm thinking about athletic days, I wasn't really the track and field sort of person, although there was a couple of events that I did all right in. Uh, Shot put was probably the the one, like there wasn't too many people that get sort of of near me in shot put. But when it came to other events like um, running, I was I a was pretty quick sprinter for the first two and a half metres, uh, but after that, it was, I was pretty much left behind. Uh, you know, the long jump, the high jump, I, I'd hold my own, like probably, you know, like I, I was sort of a competitive kid, um, so I was always, you know, I was always in there in every event that I could possibly be in and all that sort of stuff, but there was always someone better than me, like I wasn't, I was never really at the top, like I said, except for shot put. Um, but today... We have with us, as I as we were doing breakfast and before we started, I noticed Ben Dossel walked into the room. And so Ben, I'm going to get Ben up here. Um, Come up here, Ben. It's a big build-up, Ben. I'm trying to give it the big build-up thing. So so Ben, he's in Year 12 this year, correct, Ben? So Ben, Ben last year in Year 11, uh, dominated. Can I say dominated? Uh, We can say dominated. I'm saying dominated. The uh, the high school the, the North Pine high jump uh, bar didn't you Ben? Yeah yeah so dominated. All right so uh, Ben. So what I thought I'd do was I went and raided Dustin's sorry Dustin thanks for letting me have you use your stuff. I raided Dustin's um, cupboard and I found the high jump racks. Now what I thought I'd do, let me just grab the end of the bar there for us, please Ben. Um, Oh yeah, that's that's fantastic. All right, so is that, we've got about a right distance here, something like that. All right. So, so Ben, here, tell us how far. What's your personal your PB? That's pretty like that's in the that's in the industry, isn't it? They use PB. All right. So what, what's that measurement? One sixty-eight centimeters. Do I'll just set it up here for now. All right. Is there anyone here that? Oh, this worked good in theory. I'll just put it back in there. Excuse me, Dustin, don't watch. Alright, that might work now. Yep, engineering. Okay. Um, is there anyone here who thinks they could beat Ben Dossel in a high jump competition? Like, anyone? No? Ben Dossel, so he did pretty well. Alright, 168. Um, which is pretty good. All right, and I, I, I could probably get to... I don't know, around there. Maybe if, you know, on a good day, if I tripped over and fell over the right way. Um, do you know what the world record is, Ben? Um, should I say no? Yeah, you say yes. Go on, we've talked about this before. Yes. What's the world record, Ben? Two metres forty... Five, there's a clue. Okay, two metres forty-five. Do you know how, how tall... Ben and I were talking about this before, how tall two metres forty-five is. I thought, well, what I'd do is I'd bring the, um, I'd bring the poles in and I'd demonstrate to you how high two, minute, uh, 2 metres 45 centimetres was, except the poles aren't long enough. All right, so I'm going to have to grab a chair. Yeah, we'll do this without, see if we can't do this without. All right, well, here we go. Yeah, we'll take that off first because that's probably the better way to go. That's, um, so I actually measured this up fairly precisely before. We've got a problem. Not allowed to walk on chairs. It's illegal. All right. Thanks, Ben. All right. That is 2 metres 45. Yeah, thanks. All right. Give Ben a little clap. That's because he's pretty good. All right. Javier Sotomeo. I had to look at that to get the name right. J-jati, have to read it again. Javier. J A V I E R. He's a Cuban man. Uh, reached two meters forty-five in 1993 in Spain at a at a competition. It was Olympics, but it was a competition. That's huge. <laughs> like seriously, how would anybody? He's only he wasn't a tall. Well, he's a sort of he's six foot five, which is tall, man. But he's not like that's not that's not incredibly tall. That's 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 taller than average, of course. But I can like like that's over eight feet. If uh, like that's pretty someone can actually just run up and just jump over that world record. Um, I'd like to think that I could... I actually used to have this thing, going back to the whole athletics thing, I used to have this thing where I used to think if I could get halfway to a world record, I thought I was doing all right. And I could probably nearly get halfway, 2.4, 1.2, that's up here somewhere, I could probably nearly fall over that and make it it work. Um, All right, long jump. Long jump. This record was set by Mike Powell in 1991. Any guesses? Does anyone know? I'm hearing something. Call it out. Eight? Eight metres? Yep, any eight metres? Eight point? All right. 8.95, so nearly made the nine metre mark. That's cruising, eh? That's a long jump, no pun intended, that's a long jump, that's a long way, like, could I reach four and a half metres, halfway, you know, do the whole, no, probably not, eight, nearly nine metres, eight, eight metres and ninety-five, Mike Powell, 1991 in Tokyo, um, I don't know how far you could jump, uh, you know, you could plot yourself, you know, if, you, if we were running up this end. How, how far, you know, could you get a third of the way, you know, a couple of meters, you know, put if you've had to plot yourself on this line, where would you, you know, where do you reckon you could make the mark? It's a long way. It's pretty tough. It seems there's always there's always someone better than you. I mean, if unless you're Mike Powell or you're your Javier, um, sort of mayor, uh, but. There's always there's always someone better than you. There's always someone who can do do something that bit better, uh, and in these these cases, like a heck of a lot better, twice as good, even more. And and as we and as we opened up uh, this morning, uh, we we're talking about grace and what grace really is. And and I guess the reason why I pull this high jump ju- high jump bar out and put a few cones out to show how far someone can jump and all that sort of stuff is often often when we're talking spirituality, not even necessarily consciously or so maybe sometimes consciously, but often, often we sort of plot ourselves uh, against other people about, you know, how good we are and, and you know, maybe how good a Christian you are or, or maybe if you're not really a Christian and you're new to this God stuff, maybe it's like, yeah, that's the reason why I don't even want to go there because, like, people judge me. People will sort of think, well, you know, I could never jump that far or I'd be never as good as those, you know, those Christians or, or, or those people who have you know, supposedly the ones that get up the front and play guitars or, you know, they, they're, you know they're the perfect Christian. I could never do that. You know, I'm, I'm back here right at the starting line. I can hardly, you know, I can hardly make a step. And so often we, in our spiritual performance, if you want to call it that, we seem to plot ourselves. And, 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 we, can, and we make these comparisons about how good we are. But how good do we have to be in order to be accepted by Christ? How good do we have to be to get to heaven? What do we have to do? You know, do we, is there certain things that we have to do? Is there certain performance, you know, key performance indicators, so to speak? Is there, is there certain things that we have to achieve before we're allowed into heaven? And if you've been around Christian circles for a long time, you'll go, you, know, you already know what I'm going to say because we always think that and, and we always say, no, 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 it's not about that. But yet we still default back to that and and if you're not, if you if this Christianity thing is new to you, then quite often, quite often we we still think that, you know what, I'm not good enough to be accepted by Christ. I'm not good enough. On this scale, you know, we've got nearly nine, you know, eight eight point nine five metres. Eight hundred and ninety five centimetres. You know, how if that's our spiritual, if we put that into a spiritual jump. How far do we have to jump to be able to be accepted by Christ? You know, but what if we said, you know, and we plotted ourselves along this line before, and I said, Where, you know, how, how far do you reckon you could jump? You know, maybe I could jump about here somewhere if it was a good day with a strong tailwind or something like that. But how far do you reckon you could get? What if we said, you know what, the pass mark isn't to reach the world record. In fact, every single person here on this earth isn't good enough. What if the record was like, instead of 895 centimetres, what if it was like 895 kilometres? Then all of a sudden, if if we said, right, you know what, That that to be accepted by Christ is like so far out of reach, as in if we had to try and do it on our own, it's so far out of reach, it's not even funny, we can't even see the finish line, it's so far away. And yet, quite often, we sort of make these judgments and thinking well, I'm about here and maybe a friend's there or this other friend I have is back here a little bit and we, we like, we're all trying to shuffle along this really, really, really short little continuum when really Christ is so far away. But He doesn't leave us there and we're going to talk about that. Um, and we're going to talk about this, this concept called grace and, and what what that means for us, what that looks like and more importantly, what that can do for us. And it's just, it's just, it's an amazing, it's an amazing concept um, to be able to understand. And so we're going to unpack this a little bit uh, this morning and hopefully maybe gain a new understanding, a fresh understanding or a good reminder of, of what Christ has done for us what Christ has already put in place uh, for us when it comes to this, this word grace. All right. Bible the Bible um, has a and has a a few words that describe our situation, about where we are at. And you know, and the old hymn Amazing Grace and we sort of some of those lyrics in that old hymn have been remade into some more modern things and songs I should say that we sing and, and it's it's truly a powerful um really powerful to be able to, to sing them in praise to God. Um, but the Bible also describes these and, and and it describes us as people as being blind, as being blind to to spiritual things. Um, and if if you're already a Christian, well then you once were blind. If you not get maybe giving your life to Christ, all that sort of stuff, if you're fresh on this journey, then you probably say you're still blind in some ways to spiritual things. And, you know, what does what being blind or being kept in the dark, what does it conjure up? Uh, and probably the first thing, and I don't know if anyone here sleeps with a, with a nightlight on still or something like that, you know, there's no little kids in here, maybe you get a few little hands going up, but... Uh, you know little kid's hands going up but i don't know if there's people who you know still have a hallway light on or a toilet light on or something like that because you know you're just never real sure you know but the first thing when he's talking about the dark is this can conjure up this this thought of fear because it's you know it's like well i don't i'm not real sure i'm not real sure uh, what's out there, and even maybe you could. You could think back if you're, if you're pretty brave and you, know, you can stick your chest out now at night and all that sort of stuff and the dark doesn't worry. You could maybe think back when you are a kid and you went, I don't know, maybe you went camping or something like that and it was dark and, and then there's these, you know, you hear a noise that you're really not sure, it didn't sound like a bird, it didn't sound like a frog, it didn't sound like a, you know, a, a whatever it might be. And you think, oh, what's that? And, and you say, what you, so what you end up doing is diving into this thing that you call a tent which is like this bit of material that's less than a millimetre thick, you know, and you think that you're really safe in there. That's just what you do. But, but this, the fear and the, I guess the uncertainty that's conjured up when, when things go dark, when you can't see what's going on and when you're blind, when you're spiritually blind, it's, it's a similar thing. Uh, the other thing I guess that, that the dark brings out sometimes is pain because you end up doing things that you wish you hadn't or that you experience things that because you didn't really know where you're going, you've experienced pain. You've all tripped over in the dark, right? Um, I remember we actually used to run uh, with some youth camps we used to run, I used to be a part of blind camps and where you'd have all these blind kids come in and you'd actually look after them for a week and you'd get them to, you know, you'd be riding horses and skiing and doing all these fun summer camp type activities with blind kids. Fantastic. But to do that what we used to do uh, when, I was, when I used to muck around doing that sort of stuff, we used to used to Blindfold each other to have a, a, a day or half-a-day experience of what it would be like to be blind. And it was kind of cool, because that way you, you, know, you try and try and just get into your head of what it must be like for those campers to experience what you're experiencing. And I remember um, I remember that I had some blindfolds on. And we had half a day, which means you had to eat, you had to do every, every party a day, we did activities, all that sort of stuff. Completely blindfolded. We used to put pad, pad, you know patches over our eyes and tapes. So it was no, none of this like peaking business sort of thing. You know, you're completely blind for like a day or half a day. And I remember my parents used to be the caretakers' managers at Yarrowhapney the North New South Wales youth camp, New South, um, down near Maxville, in New South Wales. There was a youth camp there where we did these and, and my parents used to live there. And so I knew my way around a bit better than most people. And that, and I went back into the house, my parents' house, so I knew my way around the house. And I remember we had a partner, that you'd sort of like lead you along when you're blind, so you'd, you know, so they'd look after you and there was, that was an experience, you know, practising leading people. But when I got into my house, well my mum and dad's house and I lived there a little bit, I thought, I don't need anyone anymore because it's my house. You know, you can walk around at night, you sort of can feel your way around, you know, the door, the, the hallway, all that sort of stuff. And I remember like, I had to go upstairs and uh, I remember rounding this corner thinking that I was just, that I'm pretty good at this game because I know where I am. And I remember like meeting... All of a sudden this sharp object and it was a corner of a wall. And and it just ran straight into this corner of this wall, misjudged it a little bit obviously with blind with being blindfolded, and all of a sudden you just feel this warm sort of liquid run down your face and down your shirt and anyway, I end up taking the patches off and it's just like blood everywhere and like stitches, all sorts of stuff. Because I was cocky, obviously, and I thought that I could handle this being blind business. But when we but when we're blindfolded, when we're blind, it's we find ourselves, we, 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 we get ourselves into trouble and if you can think back you know to decisions maybe that you've made in the past or, or situations that you've found yourself, often it's because you weren't informed or, or that you, you made decisions flying blind and blind, being blind can cause pain and so when we're blind spiritually as well, we make we can make some poor decisions because of, because of our misunderstanding or, or we, that we don't know where we are all right, the second thing, um, the second word that I, want to, that I want to look at is is lost. All right, first of all, when you're blind, you don't know where you're going, you can't see where you're going, you're lost. I don't know if there's any stories. We heard a story this morning about being lost. Uh, uh, thanks, Holly. Um, but for any, everyone's probably been lost at some, time, at some time in their life and obviously, you know, it's the whole stereotypical thing. Blokes don't like to admit then where they're lost when they're lost, and that's pretty true for me too, like, you know, it's, and if you really, really have to admit it, then it's like, okay, Sarah, you go and ask, that type of thing. But, I don't know if you've ever, you know, even as a kid, when you, if you've ever been lost in a, you know, in a, like, like Ollie was saying, in Disneyland Disneyland, or, or a big shopping centre, or something like that, and it's, what happens, what do you feel, as soon as you're lost, what do you feel? All of a sudden, you feel that, like, ang- ang- anxious, you know, the anxiety levels go straight up, the, the, um, you know, like it's just all uncertain, it's all just, oh no, and you start to panic. and Then you start to think irrationally, like you have all these, like, thoughts that shouldn't even really come into your mind, start coming into your head, like what if things, you know, all the what ifs happen. Um, and, and the other thing about being lost is that people don't really know they're lost until they're lost, if that makes sense. You think about that for a little bit. You don't know you're getting lost. You just, if you're driving along and you think you know, you know you're going to a place... It's, it's usually like, all of a sudden, it's like, hang on, I'm lost. It's not like, if I just go, you know, another three metres, I'll be lost, but if I stay here, I won't. But you know what I mean? You just, you just go along and all of a sudden you turn around and think, actually, now I'm lost. You know, if you've lost your mum or dad, or you've lost if you're a parent and you've lost your child in a shopping centre, it's not just like, I'm watching them go away and now they're lost. It's, it's all of a sudden you turn around and you're lost. And again, spiritually, it can be the same. When, when we find ourselves just, where is God? Where, where, where is God? And sometimes we can be young, like, you know, I, I, just, I just don't know where God is at this moment. There's stuff that's going on right now and I wish God was here but I just can't find Him. I just feel lost. I just don't feel like there's a connection. I just feel, I feel completely lost. And then funny thing, as Christians often we say oh we found God. Well, God was actually never lost. Like just saying, like we were the ones that were lost. God really found us. But, but often we say, oh we found God. Well that's, yeah God was never really lost. But think about that. Um The third thing is so the first one was being blind, being lost, and then being dead. Right, and the Bible actually describes this. Now I'm painting a pretty bleak picture and there's good news and this is where the word grace comes into it. Right? Everyone sitting there just going, Oh my goodness, it's a pretty exciting topic, like, it's just like pretty like what he's just building this painting this like completely morbid picture. But think about it, when you're spiritually when you when when you're spiritually dead, who can help you out? Um, you know, like if someone was physically, uh, physically dead, like you, there's no point saying, "Mate, you know, let's—I'll read you some stuff," or he read a book, or you know, if if they're if they're dead, they, there's no there's no help that can be given unless there's some like God miraculous thing going on. But when when you're dead, there's there's nothing left. And sometimes when we're spiritually dead, there's only one option, and that's for Christ to intervene. Uh, there's only one option. That's for, um, you know, God to come and, he- and to help us out. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to. That's so that's like I said. That's painting the pretty morbid picture. Uh, but here's the good news. All right, I'm going to. I'm going to. If you have got a Bible, Ephesians chapter two, uh, and this is like a this is like a brilliant passage. This is this is some fantastic stuff in here in Ephesians. Paul, uh, so he's like the, you know, he wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else. He's he's the guru. Uh, he, he writes here in Ephesians, he's writing to, now the Ephesians are church people, alright, so they're sort of like people like you because, you know, we're at least sitting in a church here, even if you're, wherever you are on the journey, however far away or close you are, or close that you feel that you are to God. Um, but here he paints and he tells us where we were and, and, and the good news of where we need to be. Alright, so in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, and got it up on the board if you didn't bring a Bible... Once you were dead. Okay, so I'm not just making this stuff up. This is how Paul describes it. He says, "Once you were you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins." In other words, because, you, because of the stuff that you did, because of the things that you've done, you're dead. Like there's no chance for you. There's there's no hope. And he's talking about spiritually dead. He said, "Once you were completely dead." Um, it's a funny thing when you uh, when you talk about people. And ask, like I said before, asking people if, if you're going to heaven. Um, and I, I do this here at school quite a bit. I'll ask if we're doing a Bible study with students. Alright, hands up here, and if there's like six or eight or ten people in a Bible study, hands up here if you're going to heaven. This will be the typical response. Uh, and it works. I've, I've done the same thing for adults as well, uh, asking adults, hands up if you're going, or tell me if you're going to heaven. I can, you know, you, you definitely know you're going to heaven. And in a group of about ten, there might be one kid that puts a hand up and goes, it'll, but it won't be straight up, it'll be like this. It'll go, uh, hands up for you heaven, it'll be like... Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I am, alright? Now, my guess is, my guess is, I'm not going to make you do this, okay, so you don't have to don't feel, don't have to put your hand up. My guess is, if I asked all of you right here, right now, who's going to heaven? If I asked you right now, who's going to heaven? The response would be probably very similar and I'll base that on my experience, okay? And I might be wrong, that's okay if I'm wrong, but my guess is, it's probably similar and that's probably, there'll be a few of you that'll go, yeah, no, I'm going to heaven. There'll be probably half of you Again, this is pretty rough averages, but there's probably half of you, even people sitting here in a church this morning that go, um, I, I want to, uh, and I, I think I will, but I'm not sure. And then there might be others that are sitting here that just think, mm, probably not, I'm not good enough. And that's reality. And like I said, when I, I ask people, sit in a Bible study, you ask people, are you going to heaven? it's like, mm. and you say, well, and you ask those people that are going to heaven, um, why, how do you know? How do you know you're going to heaven? And the nine times out of ten, the answer will be because uh, I'm pretty good. Like I'm, 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 and then we start that comparison game. Like, and this is what I was talking before. Then we go, well, I, I'm better than some of the other people that you know that are supposedly good. And we start plotting ourselves on this on this comparison between how good we are. And and, and there's this like, you know, well, I'm I'm better than average. I remember talking to a guy. It was actually one of my old bosses years ago. Um, I am trying to judge the guy or whatever but like he made some pretty sort of average decisions I thought as far as morality was concerned as far as business decisions and I always think man how can that bloke sleep with you know himself at night all that sort of thing but but I remember talking about Christianity and talking about God stuff he knew who I was and knew what I st- stood for and, and got talking about heaven he goes yeah I'm better than you know and he starts naming the real bad people you know because <laughs> he plotted himself against the you know I'm better than so-and-so you know I'm better than this I'm better than that so yeah no I'm going to heaven But the reality is, uh, that's, that's not really what, what, um, what takes place here. Um, and I guess the other thing too is a lot of people sort of say, when you ask them, are you going to heaven? They say, yeah, how do you know? So, well, I keep, keep the rules, or what rules are we talking about? And they might say, oh, I keep those, you know, Ten Commandments. Have you ever asked someone to actually tell me what your Ten Commandments are? Can you repeat the Ten Commandments, please, then, if that's the rules that you're going by? Like, they'll get up to about Rule 3 and go, um... So, you know what I mean? So you don't even know the rules that you... But it's not how it works. I guess that's my point. What is it? What is the, the fact that, what is the thing that helps us have that connection to Christ? What is the thing, what is it that gets us close to Jesus? What is the thing that, that gives us, I guess, eternal life, that, that life forever, that, that, that ultimate life, not, the, not death we're talking about, but life. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins... Paul says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Okay, so he's, he's painting that bit of a picture we painted earlier on. So it's a bit of a grim picture. Obeying the devil, the commander of the power of the unseen world, he, uh, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Right? So a pretty nasty bit of gear, but he's painting the picture. The, this, is, this is what you used to be like. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. In other words, what he's saying is, we all used to just follow the devil. We used to just do our own thing. We're, that's, what, that's what we were before we to Christ. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. In other words, we're subject to the judgment of how good we are. And no one is good enough. Is that making sense? No one, doesn't matter, even if you're the world record holder, the jump of 8.95 metres is still not good enough to reach what Christ has for us, what Christ expects and needs us. He needs perfection. Nobody can do it. I can't do it, you can't do it. We're all in trouble. Every single person's in trouble. Um, but here's the thing. Um, we all used to live like this. We all used to live in, in poor, in, a, in, in sin, in uh, you know, before Christ, we all had our issues. But the opposite of being blind is having sight. Now, I can see there's a few people here that wear glasses. I don't wear glasses. I'm fortunate enough I don't have to wear glasses. But you know, when you I don't know, I've had relatives and people who, and friends who, who really need to wear glasses. And when they lose their glasses, that's a big problem. I don't know if there's anyone here that is in that situation where, you know, you can't see, you can't see to find your way around to find where you put your glasses so you can see again. Like that's that obviously is pretty frustrating if that's you, particularly if someone else moved them. Um, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden when you can see, or if you've ever had like, anyone's ever had an operation over their eyes or they've been blind or dark for a while, or you know that, that instant when you can first see again, or you know, for you guys, if you, when you put your glasses on, you can just say, oh, it's all clear again. Like, it's a, it's, it's just enlightenment. It's just like, oh, wow, we're all right again. We're all back... And in, in, in Christ says, you know, when we can see, again, when you can see God at work, it's a completely different place. And here Paul is saying that, you know, this is what it used to be like and now we've crossed over. We've crossed over to what it's like to see. Um, I remember a few years ago, uh, a few years ago now, but I've done it quite a bit since, uh, sitting in a Bible study with, some, with a group of friends, a midweek Bible study, and and we started to talk. I said I gave I gave everyone a challenge. I said, I said, when we meet up next week, and we used to do it a weekly thing, so it was like Wednesday or Tuesday night or something like that. We used to meet up. And I said next week when we meet up, this is what I want every single person to do. I want every single person. This is what I told the group. I want every single person in this room to come back and tell me one thing that they saw God at work in their lives. Just one thing. So the challenge was for them to go out, do whatever, go to work, go do whatever they had to do that week, come back and just share with that group one thing, one time that they saw God at work, one time where they saw, where they could see God at work. And this is what happened. The first week we came back, sat around, I said, all right, last week we gave you a challenge, we're going to come through with it. And we went around the circle. There was five or six people there, whatever it was. Who saw God at work? It was like silent. No one. And then one person sort of went, Oh, oh, like some, you know, my grandma was sick and she got better, so I guess that's got at work. Like, okay, that's cool. I said, all right, next week let's do it again. Next week we did the same. Came back, same challenge, came back. All right, where have you seen God at work? There was a couple of people who said, Well, I think third week, fourth, fourth week, we did this for a series, like maybe six or eight weeks. Six or eight weeks later, we'd be coming into the room, I said, Where have you seen God at work? everybody had something. Everyone went, I saw God at work in an amazing way this week and he did this, this and this and he did this for me or he did this for my friend and, and then even a few weeks after that, give us another month after that, it was, it was just a complete transformation. As people were getting out of their cars to come into our home, before that, you know, as they walked through the door, they go, Neil, guess what happened this week? Guess what I saw God doing? The reason was because they began to look and, and the reason was that we began to pray about it we're saying, God, open our eyes, may we see you at work, maybe see you you, where you are working in our lives. And it worked. And all of a sudden, that, it's like that, where is God? Like, I don't see God, you know, I know God's there, and we read the Bible, I know I should believe. And, and it's like, I know, you know, I know the theory bit, but all of a sudden it turned from theory to reality, it turned from the head to the heart, it turned to, to an experience. And it was cool, it was great. And, and I try and do that with my family now. We, we sit around, not every night, but quite often around the table at night, righto, where have you seen God at work? And, and it's amazing when you begin to look, when you actually ask God to help see that. Um, you, become, you become much, much more aware. Verse 4, this is where it gets so cool. But God is so rich in His mercy, He loved us so much that even though we were dead, okay, so God just like, and Paul here, he nearly gets a bit tongue twisted, like he's just going, this is how awesome, this is how great it is. But God, in his rich, God is so rich in, his, in mercy, He loved us so much. Verse 5, that even though we were dead, because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. I'm going to throw a couple of pictures up here on the screen, a couple of graphics, a couple of words actually. Um, so over on the left-hand side, we've got the blind, the lost, the dead. That's how we were. That's as Paul described here in Ephesians, the start of Ephesians, that's how it was. And then on the other side, right hand side of the screen, we're gonna. We have sight, we've been found, we've become alive. We we begin to see God at work. We begin to see how awesome this thing is. But how do we jump that well? How do we jump that chasm? How do we get across that, you know? If we start in here. Maybe we can get halfway to someone else. But how do we get right to the end? How do we become good enough for Christ? Thanks, Richard. He's saying it was what Christ has done for us. Paul says, the way that we bridge the gap isn't by our own effort. We're all up the creek. We're up the, we, we, have, we, we can't get there on our own. And sometimes, sometimes we find ourselves... You know, if we're a Christian for a while and we, you know, we, we try and live good lives and all that sort of stuff, and I think that's what God wants us to do, don't get me wrong, but not because it can get us to heaven, but because, well, I don't want to offend my, my good friend. I don't want to offend Jesus. I don't, want to, I don't want to do something wrong here. I don't want to upset my, my friend. Why would I do something wrong? I want to live, and plus Christ has all my life, like has these guidelines in life, so I can live a happy life. And if I just trust that He's got things sorted, then my life's going to be much better. That's the motivation. But quite often we can go along and we can, you know, live a, you know, we might be able to get to halfway and we think, oh, we're doing better than some. And, and then you start looking back at other people and, and thinking, oh, well, probably not really good enough to call yourself Christian yet, are you? And there's this judgment that comes out in people. And that's so wrong. That is so wrong. And I, I'd love for Refresh to be a place where, you know what, I don't care where you are, that even if you're back here or you're behind the line still somewhere, man, God loves you and you are still... You are still good enough for Christ. You can, no matter where you plot yourself, you're still good enough for Christ. That you can still, and I, if I've failed today, right, I've failed today. If if you can't walk out of here and put your hand straight up and say, you know what? I'm going to heaven, or at least I know how to go to heaven. I know that all I have to do is accept what Christ is giving us. This this, Paul says it. Verse five. He, um. Well, verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy and He loved us so much, verse 5, that even though we were dead, alright, even though we're back here, even though we're like, we're just useless, we can't even get off the line, even though we're like, there's no chance for us, we're in a wheelchair, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't even, you can't even run yet. Even though we we're dead, because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only the grace of that you've been, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse 6 says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ Jesus. In other words, he said, when Christ was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead. In other words, when Christ, Christ came to life, there was an opportunity for us not to have to do it on our own. Not to, not, we're not judged by what we do any longer. We can just say, God, I know we're not good enough. I'm not even going to bother trying to be good enough to get to heaven. I'm good enough only in in your your ways. Uh, It goes on, verse 7, So God can point us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all He has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. If you want to notice the number of you's and yours in this sentence, all right? So God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take the credit for this. It is a gift from God. Is that all right or what? That's pretty good. What do you have to do to get there? It's believe. Believe that, or trust in that word, believe is that. Believe, trust that God has got it covered. You can't do enough. And you know what, sometimes as Christians, if that's who you are, there are people around who try real hard to make it on their own. And In fact, they'll, they'll actually, you know, they, they have this thing, they have to overcome this and overcome that, you know, because that's that's what you've got to do, because that's what God expects. It's all rubbish. I'll just say that. I'm not saying God doesn't want us to be like Him or that's not... But to think that you know, you've got to, you know, you're not good enough unless you do this or you, you don't deserve Christ unless and, and then they look back at other people and make those judgments well they're not doing this and they're not good enough so that's rubbish. We're all, we're all dead already <laughs> until we receive Christ who gives it as a free gift. Verse 8 God saved you by His grace when you believed and you can't take credit for that. Even Mike Powell, who can jump 8.95 metres, he can take credit for that, he did that. That's proven. But he can't jump 895 kilometres. Someone else has got to take the credit for that. We can't jump that far. Someone else has to take the credit for that and we can point straight back to Jesus Christ. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So what he's saying here is that no one here can can say, look, i got there on my own merits or even a little bit of my merits. We're so far, we we are all so far back here at the starting line, it's not funny. Nobody, nobody can say, I'm better than anyone else. Nobody can boast about it. Um, And I guess the other thing that we need to do, we need to remember is how, and this is I I suppose why we're talking about grace today and next week as well, is that One, if you're new to this Christianity thing, or even if you've been there a long time but maybe you're new to this whole concept and that you think that somehow you have to know a certain thing or you have to to be able to do certain things to, to sort of earn you enough points or enough sort of respect or enough, you know, do enough good things to get to heaven, it's rubbish. It's absolutely rubbish. You cannot do anything. You cannot. You cannot get there under your own steam. So first of all, I guess the first thing to think about if, if, you know, if you're coming into this right here, right now, no matter who you are, today, no matter who you are, today, no matter what you have done yesterday, or what you did yesterday, or what you have done in the past, no matter what you've done, you're good enough for Christ right now. That's a real important thing to remember. And, and the thing that we need to do is, is for us who may have already understand that a little bit, is to celebrate that. You know, you know what? That's so great. And that's why we, you know, that's why we, you know, we sing songs and, you know, we, we praise God. We going, you know, what, as a, as a group of people, we want to just praise you for that. I'm going to read one more text in uh, Matthew, uh, sorry, in uh, Romans chapter 10. And then we'll finish off. Romans chapter 10 verse... verse 9... 9 and 10. He says, if you confess with your mouth that, this is, this is Paul again writing, he's writing to a different group of people, but still Paul, same guy who writes this, has wrote, has wrote Ephesians. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. It's not hard. It's not real hard at all. You want me to read again, just in case you thought it was difficult? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10 says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. In other words, he's saying, you believe that God, that Jesus was God? You believe that He died for your sins? In other words, He took the punishment for you? And you want to tell other people about that. He said, you confess with your mouth. In other words, you make that a public statement. You say, God, I believe it and I want in. He said, you're in. It's not hard. We overcomplicate it so much. People like me stand up the front and overcomplicate it and say, you know, complicated things and we think, oh man. But I want to invite you, um, I guess just as we finish up now, to think about where you're at. I'm not talking about where you're at on that scale, because we, we all know where we're at. We're so far from God, it's not funny. But Yet God finds us. God comes and takes us. God finds us. Where are you at? Where do you want to be? Are you ready to go, you know what, I, wanna, I don't want to overcomplicate this whole Christ experience. I don't want to overcomplicate it. I've, I'm ready right here, right now to accept Jesus Christ. I've had lots of people say, and this is more than one, many people, say to me, um, talk about being uh, being baptised or, or, or you know, really giving their life to Christ and they're like, I don't know if I can because I don't know if I'm good enough. Because they're still putting themselves on this scale, still plotting themselves on, well, I'm, I'm not good enough because I still do stuff that I know is not right. Yeah, of course you do, and you'll do that tomorrow and probably the next day as well. We all do, we all do stuff. Doesn't say we can't try and, you know, become close to Christ, that sort of stuff. But What's holding you back? And if, even if you think that you are not good enough for Christ and that's the thing that's holding you back, then probably you already understand that you never will be and you're probably very ready to accept Jesus Christ. So as we finish up now, I would, I would, I guess, challenge you to, to, to go, you know what, if, I've never, if you've never made that decision to stand up and accept that easy grace, it's not, a, not as easy as in... Oh, you know, we want to make it cheap or whatever, but it's, it's an easy thing to do. It's not over-complicated to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you're saved. It's a much better place, it's a great place to be, to be saved, to be with Christ. Um, so just as I pray to finish, I guess, just in your own mind, um, think about that wherever you are. And if it's something you've done a long time ago, praise God for that and celebrate that. Just, just just remember how wonderful that really is and how, you know, how much in the muck that you used to be, you know. But if something that you haven't done before, maybe tell someone about it. Maybe start with your friend, you know, your school friend, partner or something like that. Or come and share it with one of us. If you want this Jesus Christ stuff, He's ready for it. He wants you. But he wa- he's found you. He's just waiting for you to look up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you make it very simple, uh, that you make it so easy. Lord, we are so far from you. We all, doesn't matter who we are, um, whether, whether we're people who don't even know your name or whether we're Christians who have lived and you know, grown up in the church, we're all still far from you. But we want to thank you that you have bridged that gap. We want to thank you that you have given us that opportunity for something you know, completely free, no strings attached, but the benefit... The benefits is just off the Richter scale. So thank you, thank you for your love, thank you for the, those riches that Paul's tried to try to try to describe. Just so much, so full of love, so full of mercy, so full of this word we call grace. This unfair love that we have, that you have given us, that, that we've that we can take on. So I pray that each of us might be able to, I guess, just think about where we are, that we might be able to think. Yep, if, I've already, if I'm already there, then just that's so awesome. Let's celebrate that. And if it's something that, we, that there's people in here who haven't really made that decision, really said, you know what, I want that. I want Christ. I want just to give everything over. Then I pray that they might be able to make those real and tangible steps. Thank you so much once again for your love. Thank you so much for refreshing. And I just pray that you'll continue to make it a place where, where people can find you. Thanks, Lord. Amen.